That's a clown question, bro. Hey, what's up on you? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm your host, Christianta, over there on my right, my actual right, as you cannot see on YouTube. Uh, it is your co-host, Daniel Curran. How are you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing good. There's 23 days until opening day on the day that we're dropping this. We got a busy week this week on Above Replacement Radio. Three episodes. Three episodes and three days coming at you this week. Yeah. Big time, big time uh, special event. A special episode 100 will be coming out. Absolutely. Tomorrow uh, for, you know, number 100. But yeah. Hundo. Today we are doing an uh, NL West preview. And also we have some news to go over. A couple, couple notes uh, this in this late part of the offseason, uh, also known as spring training. But... Hmm. We, uh... March is the new December. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., a longtime Red Sox center fielder, is now heading over to Milwaukee, even though, I mean, like, it's weird. They have plenty of outfielders, but they decided to add another one. Well, I mean, what? They got Lorenzo Cain, they got Garcia, and... Yelich. And Yelich, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Um, I mean, with the Universal DH probably coming in next season, I think, you know, Kane could probably be on a bench spot for now because he's kind of struggled offensively. Uh, yeah, I since, think he opted out last year. And he opted out last year, so that's probably a fourth outfielder spot uh, that you're looking at. Jackie Bradley Jr. is obviously coming in as one of the best defensive center fielders in the game, if not the best. Um, mm-hmm. He's also coming in as a... You know, we're both Red Sox fans, so we've gotten the full Jackie Bradley experience since 2013 when he made his Major League debut. You know, it's always just, you know, if he can get hot, if he can go on that hot streak offensively, but you know the defense is going to be there. Uh, Overall, this is a guy that Milwaukee should be happy that's on their team. Yeah, they should be. I mean, uh, you know, it it adds more options for them. It adds more options for them, uh... As a team, you know, if they're not if they're not confident with Lorenzo Kane, it might be a platoon situation where Bradley's hitting against the righties, Kane's going against the lefties, and you have a a constant in very good defensive uh, a, a very very good defensive player in that center field position consistently, even if you're platooning. Normally, that would be a a shaky situation, but. They decided to go for it, and I mean, he probably would have been a, a better fit on some other teams, but the Brewers just decided to, to grab him and give him the money that he was he was asking for. Um, Jackie actually had his best single his best weighted runs created plus season since 2015 uh, in 2020. So he surpassed his 2016, where he had a 39 game hit streak, or was it 29? It was 29 games. Yeah. Yep. It ended the day after my birthday. Um, that sucked. And yeah, um, at least it kept at least it kept going through the uh, through the birthday. Yeah, no, I didn't want it to end on my birthday. Right. Yeah. But it was the night. It was the night that they retired Wade Boggs' number. It's pretty. That's pretty nice. Yeah. That's very. That's very cool. It's weird how long that took. It was. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, well, I mean that's a different story. We'll get into that later. But um, 
You know, Jackie Bradley Jr., like I mentioned, he's best weighted runs created plus since 2015. Granted, he only had 255 plate appearances in that 2015, but he also only had 217 this year. Um, you know, if he can stick around like 105 to 110 OP or weighted runs created plus, especially on a Brewers team that kind of that like that would probably be one of the better weighted runs created plus on that team. They're not a very offensively built team outside of two or three different guys. So I think Jackie can be very serviceable on offense just by being average because he's going to make up for that on defense. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I, I think we can get to the other side of this. I feel like uh, the Red Sox or the Astros really, really lost out here. You know, mm-hmm. like especially with the Red Sox, they traded in the past, in the past off season, they've already traded uh, two of their starting outfielders, and they just lost another one of their starting outfielders. Um, so, I mean, also it could translate to, you know, he's not as well known as a, a he's not as well known nationally, but you know, it could show you where the Red Sox stand on Jaron Duran, who's the next will. upcoming center fielder. I mean, Cora, Alex Cora had a quote this week in spring training where it was like he just like eats sleeps and and plays baseball and that's his entire life like it just he rolls around baseball so that's certainly exciting for red sox fans to to look forward to but from that perspective i was going to ask do you think this is the official like sign of the end of that era in boston um the like 2018 and and like 2016 through 19 um and even you could throw 15 in there too yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Benintendi and and Bradley going. I feel like um, even if Bradley stayed, I don't. Well, like it, it'll never be what it was. Obviously, of like course, but... it won't be that way with any team. But yeah, I, it kind of erases it completely. You know, all you have left there is in terms of significant pieces is Bogart, Sale, Devers. Devers, I guess Eovaldi would Erod. Te- technically be part of that. Erod. Um, That's kind of it for the most part among people that were on the 2018 team. Yeah, and then like Matt Barnes, I guess. Who who is on who is on the 2016 team? Bogarts. Bogarts was Devers was not. Um, Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes was. Right. Uh, yeah. That's kind of it. That's insane. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're not going to go through it all, but. That's most That's most of the guys. I mean, but, like, going back to the whole end-of-the-era stuff, like, during that time, one of the most marketable things about the Red Sox was their outfield. Yeah. And like, the, it was the killer bees. They had, the, you know, the, the dance routines and all the crazy th- things that they did after wins. That's all gone now. Yeah. All, every piece of it is done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and the young, the young outfield that the Red Sox had, you know, they, weren't, they were completely uh, homegrown, too. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a big appeal, but unfortunately, that's no longer. I mean, they have one marketable piece in that outfield, but you know, it's only one guy. It's not really a unit. It's uh, pretty unfortunate, but I mean, what's the uh, Astros outfield situation? Uh, I mean, what they got? They got Brantley. Yeah, they got Brantley. They Is they Brent... have Tucker. Oh yeah, Tuck, Tucker's in the outfield. Yeah, they have Kyle Tucker. Uh, let me look at their Fangraphs projected opening day like roster. Um, I think Reddit Reddick hit Reddick free is agency. gone. Yeah, Reddick is no longer there. Um, Miles Straw as their Miles Straw. Yeah, 
So, eh. Bradley. I don't like that. So, Bradley Jr. probably would have been an upgrade, but uh, they did not probably. feel like. Did not feel like uh, spending the money, Ben. Ends up going to the Brewers, who had a decent, who already had a decent outfield situation. But yeah, it gives them a lot more options. So, so yeah, I mean. So uh, I guess that's that. I guess that's the Jackie Bradley Jr. signing. So the he Astros will, he will fit nicely in Milwaukee. Yeah, he should. You know, like that's a that's a very left-handed hitter-friendly park. So I think that you could yeah, see... Yeah, power, power numbers might go up. Yeah, you definitely could see an uptick in offense from him. Uh, defense, I mean, like I've mentioned, you know you're going to get. You're going to get gold glove caliber defense every single night. Yeah, because uh, that's a good point because he's more of a pull guy. He didn't really use... He wasn't one of those lefties that really used Sprayed. the, used the uh, green monster that much. Yeah, no, he barely did. Yeah, he was more of a pull guy. So yeah, he, his swing probably uh, does better in... Pretty much any ballpark other than Fenway with that deep right field. But uh, he's going to fit nicely in American Family Insurance Park. Yeah. I hate that so much. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. If you didn't like guaranteed right field, just wait yeah, until what makes, Milwaukee's got coming. It makes guaranteed right field sound like, you know, the polo grounds. Yeah, sounds like the <laughs> field of dreams. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> great. Um, yeah, I did not realize how bad that name is it's the fact that it's replacing miller park like that was just such a nice easy oh, and yeah. i get that it's a business decision more than it's than it is you know just national appeal but like uh, it and, just yeah sounds bad. but it, it made complete sense like it not only did it sound good you know they were the brewers who you know yeah. brewed beer beer is you know miller beer is milwaukee yeah miller you know miller light is like beer. I've, I've been to milwaukee before i've actually been to a game at that park yeah. And I don't know if I ever told you this experience, Chris, but we went to like a, a restaurant for lunch before the game and they were like, Oh, if you go to the game, we have a we have like a bus that goes from our bar to the game and then after the game it goes right back to the bar. You can just hop right back on. You don't even need a ride to the game, you don't need an Uber, you can just hop right on. No no fee, no nothing. And we were like, Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So the game ends and we, we had an early stadium tour so we didn't take the bus there. But, you know, the game ends, we go out. There is a whole parade of buses. <laughs> Every single bar in Milwaukee does this, Chris. That's great. Yeah, we were like, we found the one restaurant. No, every single sports bar in Milwaukee has a bus that takes you to and from Brewers games. Yeah, this was not a unique experience in, in Wisconsin, relatively speaking. But to, uh, to us Northeasterners, yeah. that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... Uh, yeah, the mid Midwest loves their uh, you know hometown bars. They enjoy they enjoy things of that nature. So, yeah, Jackie Bradley Jr. will be in that culture for two, two years, years yep. unless unless they trade him. Um, I don't see that happening in two years. Probably probably not. Doesn't seem like one of those trade assets. But uh, you know, we talked about the Astros missing out on Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, they're. They probably have Miles Straw starting in center field, but a guy they did not miss out on was a starting pitcher, a guy who's who was out there a, a bit too long, uh, Jake Odorizzi. You know, this right-handed pitcher gives quality innings. Uh, I think he opted out in the middle of the year last year. That sounds about right. But uh, he, you know, he's a guy who's been, you know, a solid... Number three for a little bit. He spent time in Tampa Bay, 
spent time in Minnesota, and now he's going to Houston. What did you think about this one? Uh, I mean, one thing I'm just looking at right here on his Fangraphs page, his last full season was in 2019. He threw 159 innings, so he was obviously just short of qualifying, but he had 10.08 strikeouts per nine, uh, which is excellent. And, you know, Houston is obviously known for, you know, the way they do. I mean, well, you know what they're actually known for, but on the pitching side of things, you know, you've seen plenty of instances where pitchers will go over there and their strikeout numbers will, you know, have a big uptick. We saw it with Garrett Cole. We saw it with Charlie Morton. We've yeah. seen it with so many different guys, and I think that Jake Odorizzi could be another one of those guys, especially with the already high strikeout numbers. Yeah, uh, that is true. I should go to his um, his savant his his savant page to see what he's working with already. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he's just a guy that's been pretty consistent throughout his career. A guy that you know you kind of just. You don't mind having on your team. Um, let's go to 2019 percentile rankings. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2019 he had. Uh, it's not showing his uh, spin rates. I was gonna ask, what's his fastball spin looking oh, like? Oh, fat. Oh yeah. Okay, there we go. Fastball spin is in the 40th percentile. Curveball spin is in the uh, 18th percentile. That looks so, like something that can shoot up. Yeah. That. Okay. The Astros can work their magic and uh, fix him up a little bit. Yeah, he could be the next guy where you're, he seems a bit unsuspecting, and then, boom, he's a he's a top-of-the-rotation type of guy. And one thing that I think is really important is the role that he's going to be playing. You know, when he was in Minnesota, he was on some, I don't want to say bad rotations, but they weren't exactly up-to-date with what they were trying to do. You know, yeah. he, was, he was kind of like a two- or three-starter, in a team that really needed him, like they needed him to perform like an ace. In Houston, like you have Grinky ahead of you, you have McCullers ahead of you, and then you know Christian Javier is gonna probably develop a little more. Same with Framber Valdez. So mm. they don't need him to be as good as the Twins needed him to be. So I think that that'll be a lot easier on him, and I think that that can help him perform better as well. Yeah, that's a good point because they already kind of had a, a five-man rotation full of. Uh, a, a cast of characters like mm-hmm. guys that were you know not deep into their career and then a future hall of famer and zach granke yeah and i mean valdez is injured right now uh i'm not exactly sure what the timetable on him is looking like at this point when did he get injured uh pretty recently but he's on the injured list now yeah because i feel like it, that would have come up uh in yeah the he, okay uh, on, the, on march 2nd uh, he got injured. He fractured his finger. That so was the that's day not... after we recorded. <laughs> yep. So that's not too bad. Uh, I mean, fractured finger. Like, I'm thinking that's he should be good for opening day. No. Yeah, probably. That sounds about right. Probably. It's not. A, and it's it happened, not broken. And it happened last week. But yeah. I mean, you might as well not throw him in spring training if you know he's got that going. Yeah. So you know, he'll be back. But you know, I guess it makes sense that they got an extra starter. If uh, Valdez was injured, I did not know that uh, Valdez was injured. But yeah, a good a good move. He won't really have that much pressure. He's just kind of the extra guy there mm-hmm. right now, and um, and that can really leave a lot more room for the Astros to experiment with him. Yeah, I mean, he could, you know, if their rotation is good enough, he might be spending time in the bullpen, which is probably not ideal for Odorizzi, but could work out for the uh for the astros exactly um but yeah 
Anything more on the uh, Odorizzi signing? That is all I got. All right, now I don't think there's any more news to talk about of uh, of note, but now we go on to our preview. Uh, we're doing a preview of every division, uh, usually one a week, but we decided to double up last week because there was really nothing, nothing to talk about. But now we have the National League West. Uh, we start from do- bottom to top, so we'll start with the last place, Arizona Diamondbacks. This team has done a pretty good job of making themselves just the most irrelevant team in the league. Like, what? How many words did we say about the Diamondbacks this off season? Uh, pretty much, uh, pretty much zero. None. It is funny because, yeah, uh, you know, I, you go to the transactions to find out who they lost and added. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of activity at no. all. Yeah, and they weren't in conversations for anything. Like Odorizzi's name was attached to like twelve different teams. Exactly. Not the D-backs. Not the Diamondbacks, yeah. and they could use a starter. I mean, they I could. Really, yeah. Yeah, especially after the, you know, down years that you know, uh, transpired for them last year. Uh, they are coming off a 25 and 35 season. They did not really lose anyone very notable. And they added Joaquin Soria, Tyler Clippard, and as Cabrera, some real veteran pieces there. And, uh, what player are you watching? Yeah, the youngest with the of those. Backs? The youngest of those three guys you just mentioned is Azdrubal Cabrera, who is thirty-five. <laughs> so that says every- wow. <laughs> that says everything you need to know about their offseason. Um, I do have I do have a guy, and actually, I think it's kind of relevant that we're we're talking about age because believe it or not, the individual that I'm talking about for the Diamondbacks is hold on. Is seven years old. That's right, Chris. I am talking about a seven-year-old on the Diamondbacks, and that is because he was born on a leap day. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Uh, in 1992, so that would make 96 uh, would be his first birthday. 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012, 2016, 2020. So he celebrated seven birthdays. Yeah. He's a, he's yeah. Yep. Yeah. Last year he celebrated his seventh birthday. Yes, he did. And his name is, he's a reliever, his name is Stefan Crichton. And as I mentioned, he was born on Elite Day, one of only 14 players in history to have been born on February 29th, which is pretty impressive. And let me tell you why I'm looking at him, Chris. Since 2019, June 22nd of 2019 to be exact, he ranks 17th in ERA uh, among relievers with a 249. And that is about that is qualified relievers. That is not, you know, reaching for any innings pitched. And mm-hmm. in 2020, his barrel percentage was in the 99th percentile. And he also had uh, one complete year of service time, so he could be trade bait. And uh, the unfortunate thing is he is actually 29. Yeah. So <laughs> that isn't great. But <laughs> Stefan Krichchen is my guy on the Diamondbacks. He is a reliever. Uh, yeah, that's um, yeah, could be a trade piece. They're probably not going to be. I mean, who knows with the Diamondbacks? You you never really know what they're going to do. I am not buying that they're going to be competitive. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of last year, I was saying they're going going to the NLCS. Bumgarner, Gallen, and Weaver are going to drive through the postseason, but very wrong. They did not get there. Mm -hmm. Although I, you know, part of me believes if they if they could have won four more games and grabbed an eight seed, (laughs) maybe. 
or I guess you know I had them losing to the Dodgers, so maybe not an eight seed, but yeah, no. a seven seed, possible. But uh, the guy I'm looking at, pretty fascinating guy, uh, Tim Loca- Tim Locastro. Yeah, the hit by pitch king. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't realize shout out, this. Shout out to foolish baseball. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's pretty wild. Uh, so in his career, in the minors. In his career in the minors, he stole 171 bases in 599 games. And in his career in Major League Baseball, he is 26 for 26 on stolen base opportunities. And in 2020, he was in the 100th percentile in sprint speed and outfielder jump. So he's, you know, he's a quick dude. He's like possibly the fastest guy in baseball, which is pretty fascinating that, you know, he's not really heard about, but he might be. You, know, you might start to hear about him in 2021. Uh, if you haven't already from Foolish Baseball. Correct, yes. Uh, he also he, led the league in hit-by-pitches in 2019. Yeah, and he uh, hit 290 with an 859 OPS, 130 OPS plus, and 134 weighted runs created plus uh, in 2020. You know, small sample size, but very good. Looks pretty up-and-coming, even though he's kind of in his late 20s. Uh, and yeah, the man is a magnet. Uh, he was hit 163 times in 599 career minor league games, and he's been hit 27 times in 145 career major league games. Uh, so yeah, he's pretty fascinating, but I mean, one of the fastest guys in baseball had a good offensive season last year and, um, you know, someone to look out for in 2021 for sure. Absolutely. So now we go on to questions. So my question regarding the Arizona Arizona Diamondbacks, who has the best chance of getting MVP recognition on this team? Um, Best chance of getting MVP recognition? um, I would still say it's uh, Cattell Marte Mm -hmm. because, you know, even though his offense wasn't there last year, he was still able to accumulate wins above replacement through his defense. Um, so, yeah, I would say uh, Marte. I, I mean, he's you know two two years um, removed from finishing fifth in that race, and even though it was a down year last year, his OPS plus was around ninety. So, I feel like he's got the best chance on that not very deep roster. Um, my question: Better attempted bounce back year. Madison Bumgarner or Luke Weaver? Mm. It's a good one. Um, Luke Weaver was one of my guys to watch last year. Mad Bum's coming back. I think it's Mad Bum. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's coming back from an injury. Luke Weaver didn't have as much injury problems in 2020, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of just struggled in performance. But, you know, then again, uh, that could have just been the shortened season. But I'm going to say Madison Bumgarner on this one. I think that... He's going to settle into his new home in the desert this year. And I don't know if that necessarily means he's going to be in peak form, mm-hmm. but he's still. I think he's going to be very serviceable considering what he was not able to do last year. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of disappointing, but, yeah, this year could be, could be different. So, yeah, that is the Diamondbacks. Now we go on to the Rockies, who might be this year's last place team. Uh, they are coming off a 26 and 34, 26 and 34 season. Uh, they lost Nolan Arenado, which is uh, the big one, their best, their best franchise player. Uh, they they traded him. 
They also lost Matt Kemp, Daniel Murphy, Kevin Pillar, and David Dahl, and they added C.J. Crone, Greg Bird, and Austin Gomber. Uh, Austin Gomber was from the Arenado trade. What player are you looking at? Uh, this team is... I know that Dick Monfront won't say it, but they are rebuilding. Yep. So I'm going to look at one of the potential pieces of the future in for a former first-round pick in 2015, Brandon Rogers. I know he struggled pretty severely at the major league level. He had the, to the tune of a negative OPS plus last year, but I'm still going to look at him just because he's he obviously came up as a big-name prospect, and I think with more exposure to the big leagues, he can get better. Just to throw out some numbers... Uh, he struggled in 32 games played, obviously, but in the minors, he has an 855 OPS in over 1,600 plate appearances. So, definitely not bad at all uh, mm. in that sample size, and I hope that with more Major League playing time, which I think he'll be getting this year, he'll be, he'll be better on the field. Yeah, he was, uh, he was one of the top prospects coming up. He sure was. So, and you know, on a not very deep team, should be getting plenty of playing time. Uh, a guy I'm looking at, I mean, I don't know if he would be considered future. He's a relatively young guy. I think he's going into his age 26 season. And, you know, he's the he's pretty much the head of the rotation. Just a shout-out to Herman Marquez. He led the National League in innings last year. 81 and a third? Uh, 81 and two-thirds, I think. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he had a... Along with that, he had a 140 ERA plus, uh, and on the road, he was spectacular. 2.06 ERA on the road, and out of the 74 pitchers who had 25 plus innings pitched on the road last year, Marquez's road ERA ranked seventh out of those 74. So, uh, in the well into the top 10% was uh, Marquez's road ERA and Lifetime has a 3.51 ERA on the road. So, I mean, the guy, I mean, it would be pretty interesting to see him on another team, but, you know, a guy who you can kind of rely on in the rotation, which you can't really say there's been a consistent guy in that rotation to rely on. Marquez might be able to be that guy. For sure. Yeah, he's he's, uh, very good heading into his age 26. He was, I remember he was great in 2018. Bad in 2019, great in 2020. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I hope the pattern doesn't continue, because right. that would mean he's going to be bad this year. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so now on to questions. Well, this is just hilarious, isn't it? What are the chances we see a career year this year out of Herman Marquez? Huh. A little little crossover. Yeah. The chances. Um, what are the chances we look at this as the best season of Herman Marquez's career thus far? Thus far, or even just forever. All time. What, I, what, you know, what age season? He's going into his age 26 season. Um, and the question was, what are the chances? Yeah, um, I guess as a percent. I would give it a... I'd honestly give it a 15% chance. I feel like... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the... De- like, the defense... Is depleted That's now a very without good point, without Arenado. Without Arenado, and it's probably going to be without Story come August. Yeah, and I feel like the team around him won't be great, and that usually kind of devolves performance. And like I don't know, in his entire career, I don't know if he stays with the Rockies his entire career. Um, you know, the trend would say no. Mm-hmm. 
And you know, if he's like thirty, if he if team, he stays with the Rockies his entire career, something went pretty wrong. Yeah, probably, probably, yeah, and unless they decided to roll out the red carpet for him. I don't think. I mean, how much he's got? What four years of service time under his belt? So he's got two years left. Um, oh no! Oh, there's a twenty twenty uh twenty twenty four club option on him. His contract goes till twenty three. So he's got three, maybe four years left of control. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I don't think they're gonna roll out the red carpet at this point. Yeah. I mean, unless he unless he becomes like a top X pitcher in the game, which I don't see happening. But yeah, I would say 15% chance this is yeah. this is the year for Herman Marquez. Um, and to be honest, his 2019 was very inflated by one bad month, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember it was like July, he had like a 70 RA. Yeah, I um, I was not particularly uh, keeping track, but we'll check. I was. I remember we'll I had that him. out. I was in an F4 league and I had him. Uh-huh. I couldn't get rid of him, so I was just I had to ride or die with him the whole season. Uh, yeah, July he had, uh, okay, so listen to this, yeah, well, okay, never mind, April slash March he had a 293 ERA, and then in May it was 412, so, you know, meet in the middle, he's probably looking at, like, a, a mid-threes ERA, and then in June he blows up with a 6-6, and then uh-huh. a 597, and then a 525, so, his yeah. last three months particularly were not great, but, you know, he did show some strong points throughout that year anyway. Yeah, he did. And kind of brought it back mm-hmm. in 2020. Uh, my question is also regarding pitchers, but not uh, Herman Marquez. These guys were kind of, um, I guess, competing for top spot. Kind of similar pitchers also in that, you know, low strikeout numbers, high contact rate kind of relies on pitching around the zone and getting soft contact. Uh, who has the better season, Kyle Freeland or Antonio Senzatella? Huh. Um, I am going to say Sensatella. He had a much better. I mean, Freeland is three years removed from his last like good season at this point. Sensatella had a career year last year, so I think mm-hmm. just the trends show that Sensatella has a better chance of pitching well this year. And you know, a guy like a guy like Freeland isn't exactly meant to pitch well at cores. You know, like um, if you're if you're trying to locate the zone and, and get soft contact, that's usually not your friend at cores. You're usually meant to be a strikeout pitcher if you're going to perform well there. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, especially if you're if you're giving up a lot of contact, it's not great. Senzatella had, well, I mean, <laughs> he had five strikeouts per nine last year, so maybe they're both the same type of, they are the same type of pitcher. Um, and also his FIP was a 4.57, but I don't know, Freeland was just particularly bad last time out in 2019. And if I remember correctly, 2020 was kind of the same. So I would still put... 2020, he had a 4.33 ERA. Yeah. And I think the FIP might have been above 5. So they basically had the same type of season, uh, but with Senzatella having a slightly better... Or with a better ERA. All right. So Senzatella is the answer. Yeah. So now on to the San Francisco Hmm. Giants. Um they're coming off a 29. They've had an awesome offseason. Very good. And yeah. it sucks because they're probably going to be a distant third place team. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> even with their great offseason, it wasn't the best one. They are one fighting in the for the second wild card. Yeah, they, it wasn't even the best offseason in, in that particular division. Uh, they're coming off a 29 and 31 season. They lost 
uh, Trevor Cahill, Drew Smiley, and Tony Watson. And they added a, a ton of guys. They added Tommy LaStella, uh, one of the better second basemen out there, Anthony Desclafani, Jake McGee, Matt Whistler, Alex Wood, Kurt Casale, and along with that, Buster Posey is coming back after opting out for 2020, which is pretty notable. He, they did not have him last year as they were closing in on a playoff spot. Uh, what player are you looking at from the yeah. Giants? I think there's someone. I feel like there's someone you missed from the from the uh, additions. Let's, maybe it was. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, Kevin Gosman. They re-signed him. Did you yeah. get him? Well, they didn't add him. I mean, they didn't mm-hmm. add him, but they re-signed him. Um, anyway. I've given I have given um, Matt Whistler a lot of love on this podcast, so I figured I'd choose someone else uh, coming out of that San Francisco bullpen. I am t- looking at Yarlene Garcia. Wow. Yeah, he has been one of the better relievers uh, very recently, and just to put a more specific date on it, just like I did with uh, Crichton, since June nineteenth, twenty nineteen, Yarlene Garcia has the second lowest. ERA in the majors. Wow. Yeah. Since since when? June nineteenth, twenty nineteen. That's a that's a that's long a, time. That's a year. That's about a year. Yeah. Uh, with a one four eight, and he last year he had an oh eight eight. Ah, he had an oh four nine ERA in eighteen and a third innings pitched. Wow. So he has been one of the best run prevention pitchers in the game, uh, from a relief standpoint since mid twenty nineteen. Yeah. That is Yarlene Garcia. This guy has got to look out for, um, especially if they're some. There's somewhat in the state of competing mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, a guy I'm looking at uh, is Alex Dickerson. He's a guy. I think he's in his early 30s, and he's kind of broke out recently. Uh, last year. And there were a lot of Giants guys on offense who just randomly broke out. Uh, I who, mean, were, who were not supposed to break out. Where do you want out. me to start? Donovan Solano, Solano Darren Ruff. Wilmer yeah. Flores, I yep. think. It was insane. I, <laughs> the, their team OPS Plus was like 115, which is like top of the line. Very unexpected. Uh, Alex Dickerson, last year he hit 298 with a 947 OPS, 157 OPS Plus, and 150 Weighted runs created plus, and among the 203 players in Major League Baseball who had 150 plus plate appearances last year, among those 203, Dickerson's OPS plus ranked 16th uh, in baseball. So you know, top 10%, pretty crazy. And you know, his expected stats uh, kind of went along with that. You know, not quite on the same pace, but. Kind of went along with that narrative. His expected batting average was in the 74th percentile in baseball, and his expected WOBA was in the 73rd percentile. So, people forget the Giants were literally competing up to the very last day of the season last year. Yeah, they. Um, it was a bad called third, called third strike on the very last pitch of the season that eliminated them. Yeah, people do. For, yeah, they. They yeah, were they right had there. the exact same record as the Brewers. They were so close to getting their teeth smacked in by the Dodgers in the first <laughs> round instead of the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, or imagine the the Giants just the that weird Giants offense just rains down all over Kershaw and Bueller and May. Yep. I don't know. They're... One thing I love right now, I'm looking at their FanGraphs projected lineup. Three of their first four bats are left-handed. Nice. It goes: Lastella, Mike Yastrzemski, Donovan Solano, Alex Dickerson. 
Yeah, it's wild. Like, and that doesn't even include Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford either. I don't know like how many of these guys are going to sustain success, but even even if half of them do, that puts them in a very good spot. Yeah, I mean Tommy Lastell is a guy that just doesn't strike out ever. Mm-hmm. So like that's a very good guy to have at the leadoff spot, uh, even if he isn't exactly at the highest you know offensive production caliber that he's seen. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. He's yeah a guy that can um, make something happen for you offensively. Exactly. So now on to questions about the Giants. Who has the better chance of showing signs of development this year, Joey Bart or Mauricio Dubon? Hmm. Um, Dubon. I feel like we've been hearing about Dubon for a, a while. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know how old Dubon is? He's like mid twenties, I would imagine. Probably. And Bart's more in his early twenties, I think. He did get some playing time last year. Uh, Mauricio Dubon is twenty six. 26. Um, I was looking at Joey Bart a little last year. He struck out a lot. He did. Uh, but he wasn't he a slightly alarming for you? Uh, Joey, I. Th- oh no, it was Car- Joe Adell. Joe, yeah, Joe Adell and Carson Kelly was the catcher I was looking at. I mean, I was just thinking from like a prospects perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like it might be Bart. I feel like Bart okay. will. Uh, We'll probably have a better year this year. Maybe be somewhat average offensively. I would have chosen. I would have chosen the other guy. Mauricio. Uh, I think. Dubon. I think Bart's going to spend a lot of time in the minors this year. Now that they actually exist. Oh. Oh wait. Uh, Posey's coming back. Yeah. That too. All right. You know what? You changed my mind. Yeah. I'm going to go with Mauricio Dubon because, yeah, Buster Posey's coming back. He's going to be catching. You know. A decent amount of the games, so Bart. Who's playing first for them? Because I know be Posey had been getting some time at first as well. That's Belt. Belt. Yeah. And I don't know. I think he got pl- platooned a little bit last year. Yeah. Um. With. I remember talking about his launch angle. Darren. Darren Ruff. Yep. Um. Yeah. So, I guess if Posey's there, they'll wait on Bart a little bit. So yeah, I'll go with. Uh, now that you changed my mind, I'll go with. Dubon. My question is uh, about a guy previously mentioned a little bit, uh, Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman was on a 213 strikeout pace in 2020. Will he reach 200 in 20, 2021? Will Kevin Gossman reach 200 strikeouts? Um, I, it's hard for me to picture him throwing 200 innings, so I'm going to say no. All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know that he is very good strikeouts per nine numbers, uh, especially over the last two seasons. It's been 10.03 and 11.92. But, you know, assuming... I'd say he probably pitches, like... I don't I don't see him pitching more than, like, 170 innings. Uh-huh. So he's going to really have to rack up those strikeouts. Yeah. Take the, but it could be a very close under. It could be, like, 195. Right, right, right. So he will not reach 200 strikeouts in... 2021 so now on to the Padres who if you are not living under a rock and you're a baseball they're fan okay. they've uh they've made a lot of moves in the <laughs> offseason uh they're coming off a 37 and 23 season which they was, were the second best team in the National League yeah second best record in the National League uh they got eliminated in the NLDS with a depleted pitching staff they lost Zach Davies Garrett Richards, Trevor Rosenthal, Mitch Moreland, Kirby Yates, Luis Patino, and 
Francisco Mejia, mostly from trades to get these particular players. They added Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, Mark Melanson, Victor Caratini, and Keone Kela, which might not be... Keone, I think it's Keone Kela. Keone Kela, who's a right-handed reliever. Who knows... He was he did he had a very good end of 2019 into 2020. Yeah, 2020 he might have like opted out like he only pitched like three innings for some reason. Might have been injured. I don't know. Yeah. Weird year, but yeah they they uh, added a lot of talent, particularly with their with their pitching staff. So what player are you looking at? All right. With the Padres, I'm gonna give a, give a description of a Padres player, Chris. And I want you to just say the first person that comes to mind. Like, don't think about anything. Just say who you think it is, all right? Okay. This individual led the Padres in OPS last season. Uh, Will Myers? I hate you so much, Chris. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I had to look at the research, I know you too. did, but I, w- I really <laughs> hoped I could get you with that one. <laughs> God, this is, the, this is what sucks about doing a podcast with someone who knows just as much as you. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if... If that had been asked a week ago... You probably wouldn't have had it. Guess what? I had this a week ago. I would have said either Machado or Tatis. Well, guess what? Will Myers led the Padres in OPS last season, so he is my guy to watch. He's also one of the longer-tenured Padres. He's been there. He's been there for the bad years. Yeah, he was there for the revamping of the Padres. He's like the only guy left from that. And then the complete cliff... (laughs) That happened immediately after, yeah. and then now he's back for the resurgence. So he had a 959 OPS last year. He had the 8th highest slugging percentage in the majors, and since the start of September 2019, the only people, qualifiers, with a better slugging percentage than him are Juan Soto, Eloy Jimenez, Nelson Cruz, Corey Seager, George Springer, and Jose Abreu. Yeah. Those are the only people that have slugged better than Will Myers since September 2019. Yeah, guys that were com- competing for MVPs uh, are those are the guys. Yeah, he yeah surprisingly good year. He was part of Slam Diego. He was uh, in that four game stretch against the Rangers. What was that? That was Tatis, uh, Myers, Machado, and Cronenworth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a what a four game stretch, man. Man, I can't wait for baseball to be back. That was so fun. <laughs> Twenty three days. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, th- it, that was pretty shocking to see that Myers had a nine fifty nine. Yeah, I was like, wait, he was <laughs> like, he had better than Tatis and Machado. Yeah, he was amazing last <laughs> year, and yeah, still somewhat young, I think. Right, he came up pretty young. Yeah, uh, he is going. He's probably like twenty seven, twenty eight. I would guess. I, I would guess twenty nine, going into his age twenty nine season. Will Myers is going into his. Age, oh, age 30 season. <laughs> okay, well, we were age, both wrong. Age 30, but we yeah, he's not like necessarily an old guy, even though he's been in the league since 2013. Yeah. Actually, yeah, uh, fun fact about Will Myers, my uh, his major league debut was my one of my sister's graduations, I remember, because nice. I was watching the Red Sox on the couch before the graduation. And you were like, Will Myers, making his major league debut. <laughs> Look at that, Will Myers. I, th- I think that's what it was. Sounds I about might, right. I might let me, be let me, let me check. Let me check his 2013 game logs. It was June of 2013. June 18th against the Red Sox. Against the Red yep. Sox, yes. That's the one. He went 0 for 4 with a strikeout. Yeah, and it was a doubleheader, I remember, because it was a day game. Yep, all right. I had that right. 
Nailed it. My memory serves me correct. Look All at right. that. You got you got him leading the team in OPS, <laughs> and you got his major league debut. I'm a Will I'm a Will Myers historian. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So my, with my um, Padre, with my Padre, I'll just say this: there were six members of the 1010 Club in 2020. Ah, <laughs> yes, I know exactly co- where you're going. Of course, those were uh, those were the men with. 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases in He hit that ball off Kershaw to Iran. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. <laughs> so those six members were Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis Jr., who I will not be talking about, although he is a Padre, Jose He's... Ramirez, Trey Turner, Trevor Story, and Trent Grisham. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, uh, like Myers, a pretty underrated member of that, of that club. Uh, Grisham, along with being a 10-10 player, uh, had the fifth most outs above average among all fielders in baseball, and he also won the Gold Glove last year. Uh, he also finished eighth in the National League in B War last year and eleventh in F War. And to go along with that, his expected WOBA was in the 82nd percentile, and his expected stats were actually better than his actual stats. So you know he's a guy. He's another guy that's just a complete package. Uh, one of the best fielders out there. Uh, good, good with the bat, and uh, also can run around the bases. You know, as a member of the illustrious Ten Ten Club. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's Trent Grisham. Look out for him in center field. So now on to questions about the Padres. So the Padres took the league by storm last year. Obviously, you know, with the the resurgence. I don't want to say the resur. Well, I guess the resurgence of Tatis because we knew he was good in twenty twenty. He is real. T- his real takeover was 2020, even if he was good in 2019. Yeah. You know, they finished with the second best record in the National League the year after a last place finish. But perhaps the biggest miracle that came from the 2020 Padres was the immaculate 8.7 degree launch angle from Eric Hosmer. <laughs> we didn't see it coming. I remember you and I were watching his first at bat together against Bumgarner, and he <laughs> lifted one to the gap, and we were like, Oh my god, did Eric Hosmer just lift one? Yeah. yeah, he did. And he had a really good game too. He went like three for five with like two doubles. Oh yeah, I think he had a how about that in that did. game. It was like, yeah, he was the first, yeah. First, ba- first first baseman on opening day to do something. I will pull up that right now. But anyway, yeah. my question, do you think Eric Hosmer's 8.7 degree launch angle will prove to have been a fluke? Um, You know what, I mean... The, everything's coming up Padres. I feel like maybe they have some good technological things. I think uh, I'm going to say it won't prove to be a fluke. Eric Hosmer was the first player on opening day with two doubles and six RBI. First player? First player. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we went over that, I think, um, that weekend. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty It was wild. It, it was, was wild to crazy. see. Yeah, he came up with the bases loaded against, <laughs> against Bumgarner. Bum, uh, lefty-lefty matchup. We were like, this is an easy ground ball <laughs> yeah. to the second baseman. Yeah. Inc- and we, like, worked the count, too. It was like a long at-bat or something. It was very much anticipated, and the payoff was just shocking. <laughs> it was utterly shocking. We expected a nice rollover to Brandon Belt, yep. but no, we got a double off the wall. Definitely not to Brandon Belt. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's a Christian Walker. Christian Walker. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. I keep uh, keep remembering Bumgarner as a giant. <laughs> All 
All right. Uh, my my question. Uh, they had arguably the best infield in baseball last year. Um, two guys that were in the MVP race on the left, two very good guys on the right. Who will have the most wins above replacement on the left side of the infield, and who will have the most wins above replacement on the right side of the infield? Okay, that's a great question. Um, so it's between it's basically between... Tatis and Machado and between Cronenworth and Hosmer. Hosmer. All right, so I'm going to say Tatis on the left side, but that could be subject to change. Uh, I mean, I guess it really could go either way, but I'm going to go Tatis just because... You know, he's fresh off an extension. I feel like he's really going to... He still hasn't played a full season in the majors, Chris. Yeah, and... Um, and Machado has injury history, too, so I feel like he might get one. And he's younger. Exactly. He's getting more experience. And then on the right side, I'm going to say neither. Ha Sung Kim is coming Kim. in this year. He's going to light it up at second base and lead the and lead the right side of the infield in B-War and F-War. There we go. I like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Could have gone... Could have gone plenty of directions, and you you chose the the road less traveled with, yep. with Ha Song Kim. Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah, we talked about him uh, like right before Darvish went down and, and that, went down. Yeah, in that week where the Padres I remember we were just, like we we hopped off after discussing the Snell trade, and meanwhile, like Passan and Rosenthal were like, it's like they're in the works of getting Darvish, and I just texted you. I was like, all right. Once this goes down, we're just going to hop back on. Yeah, yeah. And like an hour later, we were like, all right, you Darvish has been traded to the Padres. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, they better have gotten Cronenworth or something. <laughs> nope. Just Zach Davies. Zach Davies, <laughs> yeah. came off a year with a 501 expected ERA, <laughs> the, but the a Cubs, 273 the, actual ERA. The Cubs are going to have like the least velocity out of their starting pitchers. Yeah, H- Hendricks and Davies at the top. <laughs> and they could have re-signed Lester, too. Yeah, if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and Alec Mills, too. Yeah, Alec Mills. <laughs> the most random no-hitter of all time. It's wild. With, like, three strikeouts. Yeah, it was three strikeouts, <laughs> three walks. Um, yeah, I mean... I think there were, like, three or four... Three or four uh, balls that had an expected batting average above 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It was just very random. I mean, it was a good game. It was cool. It was, but just okay. Yeah, wild. Um, so that does it for the San Diego Padres. Now on to the Dodgers, who, if you were unaware, they're coming off a forty-three and seventeen season where they won the World Series. They won the World Series. So if you're, uh, hope you're keeping track at home. Uh, they lost Jock Peterson, who was kind of a secondary outfielder for them. Kike Hernandez, another utility guy. Uh, Pedro Baez, Jake McGee, uh, Adam Kalerik, who I forgot I forgot to mention last week, uh, Adam Kalerik went to Oakland. Ace. That's a great pickup, especially since they lost Hendricks. Yeah, um, and I forgot to mention that in the uh, AL West preview, so good, good to note because he was spectacular against lefties. Uh, they, the Dodgers also lost along with Peterson, Hernandez, Baez, McGee, Kalerik. They also lost Dylan Floro and Alex Wood. They added uh, Trevor Bauer, who you may know from winning the side. Who you may know from YouTube. Yeah, he's a yeah, big time vlogger. Uh, he spends a lot of time around uh, baseball players, so yeah. I mean, should be. A yeah, good he has some ins. Yeah, he's got some sources. Yeah, he uh, he was one of the first. 
he was one of the uh, first guys to break that uh, that that story about that pitcher who signed this past off season. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was one of the first to report it. He had a video and everything. It was crazy. It was like professionally done. Yeah. Yeah. Like all he could have spent like he could have spent like he's going to the Dodgers, but no. No. Like he probably knew days in advance. He probably did. He probably like had a lot of information with that guy. He probably had like long phone calls with, with the, the agent. Guy. Yeah, yeah, with the agent too. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, I think he's friends with the agent. I think that's what is in his. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Usually a good source to have. Right, exactly. So they, they added uh, Trevor Bauer and also what should be mentioned, David Price is coming back after opting out yeah. for 2020. So he'll be pitching his first Dodgers innings ever uh, this year. So what player? It's it's hard to pick an under-the-radar Dodgers guy. Well, I did it anyway. Yeah, it's hard to do it. We may have the same guy. Uh, my player is, to my knowledge, the only player to take himself deep in a playoff game, a regular game. I'm going with Will Smith. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm glad you chose him. I did not choose him, but okay. if uh, he did not get chosen by one of us, we should have shouted him out. Yeah, Will Smith is under the radar as one of the best, probably the best offensive catcher you could argue in the game. Uh, yeah. He only has 333 career plate appearances, but since the start of 2019, he leads all of the 65 catchers with at least 160 plate appearances in weighted runs created plus with 144, Woba with a 386, slugging percentage with a 574, and OPS with a 937. He slugs, he's a great offensive catcher, and his name is Will Smith. Yeah, he uh, yeah, he kind of flew under the radar. We were kind of uh, poo-pooing him. We, we like, yeah, made him part of a joke before the playoffs. We were like, oh, they're going to have Will Smith hitting third. No, actually, that's viable. That's actually a great option. <laughs> like, most teams would have Will Smith hitting third. Yeah. It's just the Dodgers have... If he was on the Marlins, I would be hyping this dude up. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd be like, you don't know this guy. He's the best catcher. Yeah, he's the he'd be the face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Instead, he's like the the seventh best player on their team. <laughs> <laughs> They're ridiculous. Uh, a guy I'm looking at, you know, with with a team like the Dodgers, I'm just gonna look at a at a reliever. Now, the you know there is a much hyped rookie reliever. With the Dodgers last year, he was on Pitching Ninja a lot. I know. <laughs> this is the guy. This is not the guy I'm talking about. Ah, because Bruce Dargraderall got a lot of attention, but this guy was. I thought. Yeah, I thought you were gonna use that as to be like, oh, but his whiff percentage. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not gonna poo uh, poo him. Although Graderall did have some good ground ball numbers, so I he will did. give give him credit for that. And and his expected ERA was actually lower than his actual ERA, so. That's something to point out. But I'm not talking about Bruzar Gratterall. I'm talking about Victor Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. So last year he was 24 and in his rookie year. And of the 173 qualifying relievers last year, Victor Gonzalez's ERA ranked 10th. His FIP ranked 6th. And his strikeout-to-walk ratio ranked 5th. And he was the only pitcher in baseball in 2020 to have 20-plus strikeouts and less than three walks. And his expected ERA and expected WOBA against were in the 99th percentile in all of baseball. And he uses his sinker more than half the time, and it's effective enough to produce a 69.2% ground ball rate. So when you're hitting it, you're probably driving it straight into the ground because that sinker is very effective. Mm-hmm. Had a 1.33 ERA last year, a 1.67 FIP. It was pretty crazy, and... 
you know, even though they lost a lot of relievers, you're you're in good hands with the with the young lefty Victor Gonzalez out of the bullpen. He'll probably be a guy to pay attention to inevitably when they make the playoffs because that's when relievers shine more. But a guy you should keep note of when you think of the Dodgers bullpen. So Absolutely. now on to questions. Chris, there is a lot of hype regarding the, the starting pitching on this team. They have so much depth. Who will be this team's Cy Young Award winner? The team Cy Young Award winner. So I've been considering like what my you know regular Cy Young Award winners Criteria will be. Is. Yeah, and like also yeah, thinking about yeah who I think there's like three easy options. There, yeah, there are. Uh, you know, I was looking at Bueller. He had a very good postseason. He didn't accumulate a lot of innings last year for whatever reason. Uh, well, I mean, I mentioned his. Uh, I think it was his barrel percentage. Uh, and it's like his swing and miss percentage on the slider. He didn't get one till like his fifth start. Yeah, like he's went off to a bad start, but yeah, it didn't end up going well. And like uh, with with Bauer, it's I I don't know if it, he's gonna replicate it because he's because like I, I'm not really trusting guys from the central guys that you know pitched in the central last year. I don't know how it'll go because the lineups weren't great and they're going to yeah. pitch outside the central. And then there's Kershaw, I guess, could also. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Walker Bueller will right. be the team's uh, team Cy Young Award winner because he was able to get some innings in 2019, so it should look the same in 2021. Um, but yeah, uh, my question. So Cody Bellinger had a 10.35 OPS in 2019 and a 7.89 OPS in 2020. The midpoint of that is 9.12. Will his OPS be over or under 9.11.5 in 2021? I'll slam the over on that. All right. Yeah, I I have very much I have a lot of faith that Cody Bellinger will have more than that. Yeah, if he if he does Even even if the MLB is going to deaden the baseballs which they've talked about, I still think he can get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he if he gets going, that's you know he he didn't have a great year last year, and the Dodgers still went forty three and seventeen, and won the World Series with not with these, but you know they went thirteen and five in the playoffs. Yeah, with Bellinger not being his best, so if if he gets going, that's very very dangerous. But yeah, uh, that marks pretty much the end of the episode so we hope you enjoyed this episode if you're if you uh want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore current and follow the show instagram at above replacement radio and uh if you uh yeah we hope you enjoyed this episode and please join us for uh, a special would it be yeah a special wednesday edition of above replacement radio episode 100 the all-time draft with nico facella rob dickey and bono how would you siddhartha siddhartha uh where we're we're draft we're doing the all-time draft it's going to be great and uh also join us on thursday where we're going to be talking about frank robinson so we will see you then